going on guys it's been a long time since our last podcast i had a fight shit happens but we're back episode 103 i almost said 104 college football week five very weird to be on week five already it feels like we are week three four-ish time but hey it is what it is we got a lot of football still to go the usual host myself grayson fisher with me the one and only mr zachary watts yeah. um yeah, let's dive on into this game, some of the drama, and of course, a draft per usual. Our first game's actually coming to you live Friday night, 9 o'clock, on FS1 between number 10 Utah, traveling to number 19 Oregon State. Oregon State coming in at a minus three favorite. Oregon State also just received their first loss this past weekend playing at Washington State, who is a team that is not getting talked about enough, in my opinion. We look at these two teams. First thing that comes into mind is the quarterbacks. I don't know if Cam Rising's ever coming back. It feels like we're not receiving enough information on that. It could partially be horrible journalism on my end of not knowing. I don't think he's back yet. But their backup, Nate Johnson, doing a pretty good job, man. Doing a pretty yeah. good job. They had a pretty good nail-biter win against UCLA last week. He's 31 for 49 with 398 yards and two touchdowns. They're running the ball well. They're doing a good job of moving the ball around enough that there's not like a specific guy carrying the team. And I think that's due to the fact that Cam Rising is able to fill that role and be that guy. On the other end of things, you have DJU, who's been looking good at sometimes, bad at sometimes. And there's this whole like, Internet rumor slash like beef with his his dad and Dabo Swiney, Sweeney. That's like, was DJU the issue or was Dabo and his system the issue? So there's a little weird thing going on there. I truthfully don't know too much about these teams. I know Utah is very well coached, very well put together. Oregon State's going on a nice little run that they haven't been on in a while. It's an interesting game. Um I really don't have much more to say on that. I don't know enough about these two teams to really give my my input. The only thing I will say is if I had a gun to my head, I'm going to pick Utah. And the sun just came in brighter than over. I'm going to pick Utah because their front seven is very legitimate, and you don't really see a front seven like that. In the Pac-12, I would say them and Oregon are the only two where you see like a very good front seven on the defense. So I could see them winning that way. It is an Oregon State, which is, I heard, not a very beautiful place. It's very rainy a lot. So it could be low-key sad boy vibes. Um, But overall, like I said, I don't have too much confidence in this game. If I had to give a pick, I'm going to take Utah plus three. Yeah. Um, Starting off on your comments about DJ and his transfer to Oregon State, I think one of the biggest issues that forced him out of Clemson was primarily just the expectations that were set on him. You know, when you go through a string of quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, who were such high caliber players coming out of Clemson and ended up being NFL quarterbacks that play at the highest level, you know, it's kind of hard to take a step down DJ. And that's no disrespect to DJ because he is an extremely talented quarterback and we've seen him perform that way, but it's, it's essentially just an impossible battle to win in that regard. Like to just be able to put out that quality of quarterback talent year in and year out, you kind of see the issue. And, you know, in the same hand, we see how Cade Kubnick's performed this year. And, you know, I don't think he's performed any better than DJ did last year, in my opinion. You know, he's still kind of adjusting to the system and learning things, and they're going to continue to get better because Dabo is a good coach. I'm not going to take that away from him. They are a good football team. But, you know, it – it was kind of one of those situations where it just didn't fit him. And I feel like he made the right choice in transferring to another program. He went to a Pac-12 program, which better suited him and the program. You know, I feel like Oregon State's always kind of had a talented roster. They've always had a great O-line, and that is especially true this year. Their O-line is amazing. And then the fact that he transferred in there, he's able to make an immediate impact. So you love to see that out of DJ. That's an amazing thing for him. I'm happy for him. In terms of this game, though, you know, Utah has been able to do enough up to this point with their backup quarterback, but they were number 10 in the country with the expectation that Cam Rising was going to come back and lead them. So, you know, you did make a comment about their front seven being one of the better teams in the quote unquote Pac-12. I know the Pac-12 was kind of dissipated at this point, so it's kind of hard to talk about them. But with the remaining Pac-12 team in uh, Oregon State, you know, I think their O-line has the capabilities to keep Utah in check. You know, right now, 
Utah is letting up over 200 yards passing per game. And I know that seems down compared to years before, but you got to remember, this is the first year of college football where we have a running clock after first downs. And personally, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Coaches are complaining about it. Everyone, everyone. Like, yeah. No, no one likes it, but the people, but the NCAA and the people and the money off the commercials. Yeah, of course. Because for those of you who aren't that familiar, aren't paying that close attention, essentially what they did was, was they made the rule change for running clock in an attempt to speed pace of play, but game times are still taking up the same amount of TV time, but now double the commercials are being ran in place of that. So now you have half the amount of football plays being run throughout the game. And now we just get more commercials. So as a fan, I don't really see the win in that. Obviously, if it's still putting money in their pocket, I get it. Business is business at the end of the day. And we can't really sit here and argue with it. I mean, I guess we could revolt at the end of the day. You know, this is America. But regardless, in terms of this game, I do think uh, Oregon State led by DJ at QB can win this game. You know, they had a tough game last week. I know it was their first loss of the year. But Washington State's quarterback, I forget his name right now. It'll come back to me. But he is playing like a high. Um, Nate Johnson. Yeah, Nate. No, 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 no. Not Utah's quarterback, Washington State's. Oh, Cameron Ward. Cameron Ward. The incarnate word transfer from last year. Yeah, dude is playing like a bona fide Heisman candidate right now. Nobody's talking about him. No one. No one. But we'll get into that later when we come up with our own Heisman rankings later on in this podcast. But I do think they had a tough outing last time. Still kept it close. Lost 38-35 despite all the remarkable plays that were made in that game. I see them bouncing back and getting a huge win over Utah still without Cam Rising. And it was kind of just brushed by up to this point. You're going uh, Oregon State minus three? Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll take it with the points. Might as well. If I think they're winning, they might as well. Awesome. Our next game coming in. Sorry, I'm just trying to keep track of all the picks as well oh, as good. the Heisman picks. Our next game is another U- – uh, excuse me, another Pac-12 game. This game had a lot of hype coming into it, and the hype is slowly starting to derail and come out of the media. We're looking at number eight USC traveling to Colorado. This game, a noon kickoff Saturday on Fox. This is a noon kickoff for Eastern time, but it'll be an 11 a.m. game on Saturday there on the West Coast. Zach, give uh, our odds come in USC minus 21 and a half. Zach, you start us off on this one. Yeah, so essentially, I don't want to say Colorado was exposed because that's not the case for this. I believe the true issue that occurred was Colorado played a quality opponent and they just got shown what they really were. Like the media had done a great job of hyping them up and making them seem like they could compete with anybody, but that's just not the case. We talked about at the beginning of the year coming in, Dion was going to make an immediate impact, but the problem is they play one of the toughest schedules in all of college football. And that is, by all means, the utmost respect. But you're not going to take a 1-11 program, play the toughest schedule in football with a bunch of transfers and win football games like that. It's just not happening. USC is a legitimate college football playoff contender with Caleb Williams, who is arguably the best quarterback in this draft class without a doubt, in my opinion. Dude just makes unbelievable plays. But people are still giving Colorado a chance, and rightfully so. One of the biggest issues we've talked about USC all year is can their defense consistently stop teams or is Caleb Williams going to have to put up 56 points a game? Unfortunately, Caleb Williams will probably put up 56 points in this game. And I don't know if USC is going to be able, well, I guess it doesn't really matter because even if they put up 60 something points, Colorado is not going to be able to go blow for blow like that. You're just not going to be a team like that. Look, I know, I know Shadur's, an unbelievably talented quarterback. He makes some unbelievable reads. He makes the plays necessary. He's a dog. There's no doubt about that. Dion's a great coach. We're not here to talk about any of that. But with the game at hand, they're at a severe disadvantage. You're missing your number one playmaker on the offensive and defensive side of the ball in Travis Hunter. And even though he texted Dion and said, I need to play this game, Dion was smart enough to say, your future is more important. Sit out. We're going to lose by 40 anyway. That's just how it is. I do think Colorado will put up points because, I mean, if USC was giving up, what, 35 points to San Jose State, they're going to give up 21-plus to Colorado. That's just how it is. I just – personally, I don't see Colorado stopping Caleb Williams once. The pun- If you're USC's punter, you you may as well just 
enjoy enjoy the ride because you may not even step on the field in my opinion so yeah what I, is, uh, what's your pick for the game yeah i'm gonna take usc minus 21 ah no no i'm gonna take colorado plus 21 they will put up points yeah. they just can't i'm also in the exact same boat as you i'm gonna take colorado plus 21 and a half um yes everyone's talking about that oregon game you know some some points you made that i'm gonna pick back off one I'm tired of hearing, like, wow, Travis Hunter really played that. If Travis Hunter played that game or not, they were still going to get killed. Maybe they would have scored one more touchdown. It was Oregon is just a way more solidified team. They have an actual defense, which is, like I said, them and them and, uh, who's the other team I was just saying? Them and Utah are the only two teams in the Pac 12 that have like a in legitimate defense. I would say, I would say Washington is like solid, but I would say, you know, Oregon's a very good defense. They're a very good defense coordinator, very good even to front the other thing is dude this team's been together for a while they're vets yeah colorado got quote-unquote exposed it's, that shit happens it's not their fault that you know espn was sucking them off and hyping them up and all these other things were uh happening as well the other thing is usc's offense is absolutely tremendous and their defense is absolutely butt cheeks okay and the thing is their defense has great defensive players they're some of the best defensive players in college football they are just a terrible unit i don't know if it's they're, I don't know if it's their like their chemistry together. I don't know if it's their their coordinator. They are not a good unit. They let San Jose State put 28 on them at home. Okay, then we blow out Nevada. We blow out Stanford. I understand. Those games look good. Their first away game, their first away game, they're at Arizona State. They only win 42 to 28, and they had to put 15 up in the fourth to win that game. So it shows that, yeah, they're very comfortable playing at home. They're not as comfortable playing away. And if you're like, well, Arizona State at home, blah, blah, blah. Arizona State beat Southern Utah by four, by three at home. Lost to Oklahoma State by 12 at home, whose only win is over Arizona State. And they lost to Fresno State 29 to zero at home. Okay, come on. This is not a team that's like bringing the heat. I do think USC is going to win. I think they're going to win by probably like 17. I don't think they're going to win by 21 and a half. They don't have the defense that Oregon does. And if you watch that game or at least broke it down, they Oregon's pressure on Shador was unbelievable. USC can't mimic that same pressure. They might be able to get it later in the game, like when they're beat up and broken, but Colorado's going to come out and they're going to score points in the beginning. And it, I don't see USC pulling away late. I just see them, like you said, it's going to be like 14-14, then 21-14, then 28-21, and then they're going to slowly start chopping. They're not going to run it up on them like Oregon did. It's also a home game. It's going to be sold out. You saw how many celebrities they're bringing in for this game. I'm not taking Colorado win. I think Colorado covering. I'm going to also go Colorado plus 21 and a half. I still think they're going to not look too hot, but it being at home with USC not playing well away, as well as USC defense being extremely suspect, I do see this this big game going to be favoring Colorado a little. Yeah. By the way, one more point I want to bring up just because we were on the topic of Oregon for a little bit. I love how Bo Nix suddenly became this top quarterback prospect once he left the SEC. Mm-hmm. That does that not tell you anything? Does that not tell you anything? That that should be the biggest red flag of anything going into the draft. Like, oh yeah, this dude played amazing. Oh, what happened when he played in the SEC? Absolute dog shit. I think it's so funny when people are like, uh, Bo Nix was in college the same time as Justin Herbert. Isn't that insane? It's like well, Herbert was a fifth-year senior, and Bo Nix was a true freshman. So, no, it's not that insane. Yeah, not not that it's great. Not that now, at all. now, now, if you were to tell me that the Miami Hurricanes tight end started his freshman year of college during the Obama administration, I would say that's a little insane. And guess what? It's true. Yeah. So that that that's a little <laughs> absurd to me. Yeah, that one, that one's crazy. Yeah, this, this yeah. guy's got highlights during the Obama administration. I, I definitely think Bo Nix is a better quarterback than he was at Auburn. I just don't think yes. – I, I do think that the level of play is, is benefiting him a lot. Yeah. So. yeah, and and for those saying like, oh, well, he had to make that switch to Oregon to better develop just the same way that Jalen Hurts left Alabama to go better develop as a quarterback at Oklahoma. Oklahoma had a perennial offensive coordinator and QB coach that was able to develop him into the passer that he became today. Bo Nix just straight up said, fuck this. I'm going to go play on a contending team in the Pac-12. 
Yeah, I'm just going to play on a team that's better than mine. Yeah, I'm going to go play on a team that's better than mine. And, hey, we don't have to face a schedule that makes me want to kill myself on a weekly basis. So, yeah. Dude, all the schedule is so brutal, dude. They have one of the most brutal college football schedules. Yeah. But we're finally getting away from the Pac-12. This game has a lot, of, a lot of fun potential to it, in my personal opinion. We have number 24, Kansas. Traveling to Texas to play the number three Longhorns. This game is between a battle of the undefeateds at four and zero. It's three thirty on ABC this Saturday. Our odds come in. Texas miles on Texas minus sixteen and a half. That's just straight up disrespectful, in my opinion. Ah man, I mean, there's another game we're gonna look at. Quarterbacks: Jalen Daniels versus Quinn Ears. Jalen Daniels. For anyone that doesn't know who he is. He is so much fun to watch play football. He gets he can run the ball. He can throw the ball. He's a good deep ball. He's an accurate ball. For some reason, this this Kansas team ain't getting the recognition they should. Devin Neal at running back, he's a dog. He had a great year last year. He's having a phenomenal year this year. 57 carries, 400 yards, and five touchdowns. This team is good. Lance Leipold is a damn good coach. He had offers to go to Wisconsin. He had offers to go to you know, all these other big schools that, that were that were looking this past season. Uh um what's what's the other one? Nebraska, like schools like that. He said no. I'm building a culture, I'm building things at Kansas. They got new uniforms, they got new facilities, they're four and zero for the first time in back-to-back years since like 1987. He's got it going over there. On the other side, Steve Sharkeesian, one of you know, the very hundreds of millions of former Saban minions running out, running out there. They're having a good year. Quinn Ear is having a, you know, a, I, yeah, you say a Heisman level year, 72 for 112, 10, uh, 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. He's running the ball a little bit with his feet, too. They got a big road win at Alabama, but I don't want that to look over the fact that, you know, they, they've also had a couple moments this year where they don't look too hot versus Rice took them a little bit to get moving. Wyoming, they were only up 10 to 7 at halftime, and they did look really good at Baylor this past weekend. You know, this Texas team is very similar to that USC team and where, like, they have over the past couple of years, have had the best players on the field. They just didn't play together the best, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know as a pick. I think this is Kansas's first big away game, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to triple check this. Yeah, they they hosted Missouri State, Illinois, and BYU. They played at Nevada, and they only beat Nevada by seven. They only beat BYU by eleven. Um, I really want to go in here and say yes. So minus 16 and a half is a lot of points, dude. It's a lot of points. I'm going to let you go before I get a pick. Yeah, so the way I kind of look at this game is it all depends on what type of Texas team shows up. You know, Steve Sarkeesian could show up to the game pissed drunk and not care and have not a care in the world and just absolutely shit the bed. Quinn Ewers could throw three interceptions. It is college football. Anything can happen any given Saturday. That's just kind of the way the college football world works. Look. We know what we're getting out of the Kansas Jayhawks. JT Daniels is a solid quarterback. The problem is, is the team's a little bit more diminished than they were last year. Jalen Daniels, sorry. Sorry. Jalen Daniels, excuse me, is a talented quarterback. We know this. Can do it all in terms of running ability and passing ability. He has all the tools. The problem is the Jayhawks are just not the team they were last year. Look, they are getting better. They are improving. They're not, they're no longer the dumpster fire that the Jayhawks used to be, you know, rock chalk, baby. It is what it is. But, you know, this Texas team is looking to play for playoff contentions. Like they have that goal in mind. I don't know what their schedule's looking like, in my opinion. Let me see. Uh, oh, oh, actually, this could be a trap game because yeah, they do play Oklahoma. They, they do play Oklahoma next week. And for those of you that don't know what I mean by trap game is, look, just playing a bad team is not necessarily a trap game. A trap game is when the immediate week following is a tougher level of competition that would sway your attention. Yeah. And the problem with college football is, especially with week three, is everyone scheduled terrible opponents week three. And the problem is not everyone showed up in week three. You show up and you beat your opponent, that's fine. You did what you were supposed to. You don't show up, you will lose a game. And the reason why I view this as a trap game is if Texas does not show up against Kansas, they will lose. I know Kansas has been in a lot of close games, but because they've been in a lot of close games, they still won. They know how to win the 
ugly battles. They like to get scrappy. They like to get in your face and just make it a bloodbath, make it as ugly as possible. They don't care. A win is a win. And it is, truthfully. So I am still going to take Texas, but I am completely staying away from any type of spread in this. I don't trust it at all. To take this caliber of an upset would be absolutely just insanity, but it would throw the college football world into a complete whirly-dirly. But regardless, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my gut. I'm gonna take Texas in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna take this money line as well. Um, I do agree with you that it could be a trap game, dude. I, I listen. I'm not calling it an upset, and I wouldn't even be that surprised if Kansas comes in and barely loses this game. It's just it. I it's very hard for me to say that, especially with it being away, and especially yeah. with how packed this Texas team and, and this Texas stadium is gonna be. J- if Jalen Daniels can't get his feet moving, they're not gonna sling the rock down down their throat. There's just – I'm just more confident Texas winning this game. I, I really am, especially – if it was at Kansas, I would take Kansas plus 16 and a half, 100%. Yeah. But I'm not doing yeah. it at, at Texas. is just too hard. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Our next game's a really fun game. Um, we got number 13, LSU, traveling to number 20, Ole Miss. Both these teams coming in at 3-1. and one. This game's 6 o'clock on ESPN. Our favorite is LSU minus 2.5. Zach, I'm going to actually let you start us off with this one. Yeah, so my biggest thing is Ole Miss just cannot win big games when it matters. Plain and simple. You know, Loveland Kiffin as a guy, you know, he's a very people person. He's very college environment friendly. Uh, He's a guy's guy. Yeah, he's a guy's guy, especially for the college football world. Nothing but respect for him in that regard. But I just don't view him as like a top caliber coach in college and that's simple look i know he comes from the saban family tree of minions that we discussed he's got i i guess he's been in championship level locker rooms to know how a championship program is run unfortunately they just don't perform like that look no disrespect to the level of talent they have on the field i know jackson dara is a great quarterback or a good quarterback excuse me i tend to throw the word great out there too much but he is a good quarterback for old miss he does make plays necessary but when i look at this lsu team you know just because they lost to Florida State, people immediately threw them under the bus. They were like, oh, this is an overrated team. You know, this isn't anything to talk about. You know, it's just constantly SEC overhype year in, year out. Y'all have to realize LSU was projected to finish top two in the SEC. Top two. Like, it's them in Georgia, and they'd be battling with Alabama. So they're considered one of the better teams. The Now, this is Jaden Daniels. Yeah, this is Jaden. Yeah, sorry. Too many J. Daniels in college. We need to fix that. I think that should be illegal. We need more G. Fishers and Z. Watts. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, what you do is you you force them to play all you 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 have a Daniels playoff at the end of the year. If, yeah, just don't forget the college. The loser football. goes by their middle name. Yeah, the loser has to get name changed to whatever the winner decides. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I personally think this Daniels would lead his team to victory over all the other Daniels because he is a bona fide superstar. This kid makes plays with his legs. um, And when he's not trying to hurdle people and get uh, absolutely Batista bombed through the turf, he can't complete a pass or two. So with that being said, look, am I the biggest fan of Brian Kelly? No. But he's a good coach. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not a good coach. He's in the SEC. He's recruiting solid players. He's putting a program together. They're not there yet. I think it's, what, year two, three? Year two, yeah. Yeah, year two. So for year two to already be considered one of the top programs in the SEC, I'd say you're on the right track there. But knowing Brian Kelly's record, he's probably always going to fall short of any expectation you ever give him. So just take (laughs) that what you will. That is the Kelly bloodline. So with that being said, you got the battle of – who wants to fuck their team the most in terms of coaching ability? I think I think Lane Kiffin's going to win that battle, in my opinion. I think you're just going to have one or two plays here or there where you just doesn't make sense or you don't understand it. And LSU is probably going to capitalize on those mistakes and end up winning this game. I think they're also going to cover the spread, in my opinion, probably by like seven to ten points. So give me LSU on this one. Yeah, I'm going <clears> to <throat> keep it short and sweet because I have pretty much the same mindset as you. Listen, I'm going to speak on Ole Miss first. Lane Kiffin's that guy. He's good at getting recruits. But the Ole Miss is one of – it being at Ole Miss doesn't make it like a factor for me. You never hear anyone say, oh, wow, I played at Ole Miss. It was scary. You know, like they just don't have that SEC haunting vibe of like an Auburn or an LSU or a Georgia or a Florida. They just don't have that. Um, I mean, you even – 
at least one Mississippi school does, and that's Mississippi State, but they had to use cowbells. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of illegal. But, but, oh man, that should be illegal. Ole yeah, that's, that's illegal. You heard Rabik talk about it too. He's like, oh, Miss is like, like, yeah, they're going to sell out their stadium, and yeah, it's going to be like, a little scary, but they're not like a they're not a twelfth man. I would say they're not like a huge factor to the game being played. Jackson Dart is very good. He's a very good quarterback. He's not great. And the other thing is they rely too much on him. And you know they came into this year they got a Mississippi State transfer, they got uh, the Oklahoma State Spencer Sanders transfer, and they had Jackson Dart. And they're like, wow, there's this huge quarterback battle. And then Jackson Dart balled out against whoever the fuck nobody school was their first game. Mercer and they were like, This is our guy. Kid's good. He's very good. He, he puts up a lot of all-purpose yards, but they rely on him too much to the extent where he's their leading passer and their leading rusher. How the hell are you an SEC team and your quarterback's your leading rusher? The only way that'd be ex- excusable is if he's fucking Cam Newton and he's not Cam Newton. Um, they're gonna get hit with a defense that is extremely underrated, in my opinion. And this LSU team is going to hit Jackson Dart a lot, and it's not going to be soft. They are going to drive through him every single play they can. They're going to be – I would not be surprised if a different guy blitzes every single play. They are going to kill this kid with pressure. On the other end, what's name one defensive player on Ole Miss. I can't name a single guy that they've been talking about this whole season. And that's Ole Miss every single year. They The way I look at Ole Miss is they're the best 9-3 team in college football. They lose their three top 15 teams, and then they win the nine games they're supposed to win, and they barely lose to Alabama. That is Ole Miss, in my opinion. LSU is going to go in there. They're not going to kill them. Like, it's not going to be, like, 56 to 10, but it's going to be a good, like, 35 to 14, 35 to 17, like, your big brothers in town kind of game. Jaden Daniels, you know what's another thing that makes him really good, Zach? He barely turns the ball over. 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, and two picks, and one of them came against Florida State. So, I mean, like, it's not like Ole Miss's defense is going to give them opportunities either. I think it's going to be fun because it's an SEC game, but there's nothing in this game that gives me that gives me hope that Ole Miss can rise to this occasion. I'm going to take LSU minus two and a half. And before we dive into our last two games, Zach, I actually have a question for you because I saw this on my TikTok and I completely forgot to ask you. If you're Ole Miss, what are you doing about Lane Kiffin? Do you keep rocking with them and extend them after this year, or do you start looking for other options? Because he hasn't done anything bad. I think he's gotten eight to nine wins, maybe 10 one year, but he hasn't elevated them past what they've been, in my opinion. Here's the biggest thing people have to look at when deciding whether or not you're going to get rid of your coach, and that's who is going to replace him. In my opinion, I don't see the coaching carousel coming this offseason being anything spectacular or wild to where you feel like you can replace him and be any better than you already were. You know, we've seen it countless of times with programs before where it's like, you know, you're you've reached the expectations we had for you. And now we give you new expectations and you're not reaching them. Well, yeah, you knew what you were getting and now you want better, but you don't have better available. So you're kind of stuck in limbo, college football limbo, where you don't really know what you're doing at this point. I think it'd be extremely foolish for Ole Miss to move beyond Lane Kiffin, you know, right now. Things seem to be very steady. I know the fans probably want more out of it, but, you know, are you willing to risk losing everything when Lane Kiffin leaves for a chance to pick up some, what, G5 coach or some NFL coach that gets fired? Like, I don't really see that being all all that worth it, in my opinion, especially now, right now, you know, the college football world's in a big swing. Momentum is going all sorts of ways. We don't know how things are going to be a year from now, two years from now. Heck, a 9-3 and team could end up being a college football playoff team a couple years down the road. And then you get rid of Lane Kiffin and you're no longer making 9-3 and every year. You're going to sit there going, oh, my God, I really wish we had Lane Kiffin back right now so we could lose in, like, the semifinals of the college football playoff instead of every year going, like, 7-6. and six. Yeah. So, like, pick your poison. Like, honestly, in my opinion – you stick with Lane. You keep the people happy. You're going to constantly bring in recruits. And, hey, maybe a year or two down the line, he signs some insane recruiting class and ends up building them into a national title program. You don't know. We don't know. I Like, I just don't – I don't see the risk really paying off if you do get rid of him because I don't know who would replace him in all honesty. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's the guy for them for longevity-wise, but I think he's the guy for them for the foreseeable future. Um, Like you said, getting nine wins in the SEC is good, dude. Like, that's – 
we're not saying Lane's a bad coach. We're saying Lane's not the guy to take them past that, you know? Yeah. And like you said, they get good recruits. And the thing I think that is very important, and I think that's one reason why Mike Norvell is having so much success, and um, you're seeing other coaches like like the guy at Washington State who's a former Wisconsin guy, I can't remember his name, he's having good success, is they're fitting the culture provided to them. One reason why I don't think Willie Taggart worked at Florida State is he tried to bring in this, like, whack, weird culture, and, and it wasn't Florida State fitting. Lane Kiffin is Ole Miss. Like, he's a good Southern boy who likes to party and have a good time, but he also gets good recruits and they play competitive football. Like, he fits the Ole Miss, like, agenda. I mean, who was before him? Uh, Hugh Freeze, who's at Auburn, he's the same kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like, that. it's it's hard to find a guy that's going to fit like that. Um, and I And you're right, we – you know, we talk a lot about, like, life in the circle of football. I feel like it's the same thing with coaches. Two years ago, we had, what, like, 15 coaching changes in Power 5 football. Now it's like, all right, all those just happened so recently. It's going to be another year to three years until we get a big burst like that again. So I think yeah. for this next two to three years, you rock with Lane. And then you you don't get rid of him, but you just see what's out there. You put your toe in the water. Maybe maybe it's not Lane. Maybe you just need to get an amazing defensive coordinator let him run the defense and then just let Lane keep running the offense and you're good, you know, but there's something needs to be changed there. If they want to take that next step and who knows, maybe they go out there and they whoop LSU. They went out the rest of their schedule and they make us look stupid. Who knows? But I just think that for right now, Ole Miss should be content with what they got. I agree. Our next game is actually college game day for the first time ever in the sport of football. Shall I say college game day is going to North Carolina for number 11, Notre Dame, coming off of a really tough last play of the game loss because he only had 10 defenders on the field versus Ohio State, going to number 17, Duke, 4-0, undefeated, never lost. ABC at 7.30. Zach, this is a game that I don't think we would ever would have thought would have been college game day. Um, Yeah, you know, Notre Dame coming in at a minus six favorite. You look at that Notre Dame – um, Ohio State game. My takeaway is one: they, I agree with Lou Holtz. Ohio State didn't win the game. Like they didn't like win the game. They just took advantage of the mistake of Notre Dame. Notre Dame played better football that game. The other thing is, a lot of issues we've seen in the past, at least recency recently, with Notre Dame is they're able to win the easy blowouts and they can't win the wars. And I think that game last weekend, even though they lost showed that this team is a little different and they're down to get in the ugly wars. Also, dude, why is nobody talking about Sam Hartman? Is it just me? I feel like in, everybody's only talking about the out West quarterbacks and then like Jaden Daniels and Travis, uh, Travis Hunter, excuse me, Jordan Travis, Sam Hartman has 1200 yards with 14 touchdowns and no picks. Like, dude, he is balling out on the other end. I like Duke. Uh, they're very well coached. Their defense is good. They get a lot of turnovers. Their offense is so unpredictable to me, though, and not in a good way. Riley Leonard's solid. I, he's good. He relies too much on his feet, which I think this Notre Dame team is going to shut down right away. And also, Notre Dame's defense is good, but they rely on turning the ball over, fourth down stops. Sam Harbor doesn't turn the ball over. And that's why I think that I'm going to take Notre Dame minus six. Listen. I actually want Duke to win this game. I want Anthony Nelson to make it to the ACC championship. I want Duke to arise to the occasion. I think it's sick. I just don't think that they're going to beat this Notre Dame team. I think this Notre Dame team is very good. I think they're underappreciated. I'm not even a Notre Dame fan. I just think that the the boring offense that Duke runs, where they rely too much on Riley Leonard to run, is going to get shut down. He doesn't have like a wicked arm that's going to sling the rock. Watch the Clemson game. He ran for like 250 yards. That's why they won that game. And, oh, yeah, four turnovers, you know, and this Notre Dame team is disciplined with the ball. I think this Notre Dame team is going to go in there. I do see it being a close game. I don't think Notre Dame is going to kill them, but I, I just think Notre Dame is just better. They, Duke is is in the beginning stages of starting something. Notre Dame has been at that something for a while. So it's just going to come down to expertise and experience and um and being there, comfortable being there before. Yeah, I like all the points you made. Um, hard to disagree about anything, you know, especially with a team like Notre Dame who has been here before. They play high-level competition week in, week out. They're used to these type of games. And you especially play better when you come off a tough defeat. Everyone tells you, you would way rather play 
someone that won last week than a team that lost last week. Because the team that lost last week has something to prove and they're pissed. They do not want to lose again. A team that wins, kind of like kind of like a feed and alligator. Once you've already ate, you get lazy, you get complacent. You may be able to take them by surprise. With that being said, with everything being in the favor of Notre Dame, I'm riding with Anthony Nelson. I'm riding with Duke. No one gave you a chance except for Grayson Fisher for you to beat Clemson at home. Well, guess what? You're back at home. You're at college game day. Night game. You got a night game in – it's not Chapel Hill, is it? I'm no, mistaken. it's uh, – I think it's Chapel the Wallace Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham. 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 You're in Durham, North Carolina. They're on your turf. Them them Christian boys don't know about the boonies. So why don't you show them a thing or two? My bold prediction for this game is Anthony Nelson will have a sack. Ooh. He will sack Sam Hartman. I am leaning towards that that sack may result in a turnover, but I, but I'll I'll keep it I'll keep it tame. But Nelson, you will be getting a sack this Saturday in front of the world. They know about your character, but do they know about the dog and Anthony Nelson? I don't think they do. I'll find out. They about to find out. It's Big dog's got to eat. I do think that it being at Duke, it's their first college game day. It's going to be packed. Um, yes, Duke football fans, they're newly to the sport, but you've seen Duke basketball fans, and if they just bring that heat, something might happen. Yeah, unfortunately, Zion Williamson is not a tight end. Yeah. But <laughs> I'd put but, him at the end, bro. Are you kidding me? I'd want him trying to tackle a quarterback. Hell no. You put him at tight end. And just let him fucking freak. Dude, he's 6'10 with a 40-inch vert. Who the fuck is going to take a jump ball from him? No, that's fair. He's literally gonna he's literally gonna put his nuts on a DB's head, and they're just gonna be like, "Well, that we we tried, we tried, we we did our best." But regardless, give me Duke covering at least. I'll they will cover. I just I have a feeling in my heart that Nelson's gonna show up, and the Blue Devils are gonna win this game. Our last game is our only SEC. No, excuse me, we got an SEC one. It's another SEC matchup. We have unranked South Carolina traveling to Knoxville to play the 21-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. This is another 7:30 game on the SEC Network. Tennessee coming in at a shocking 11 and a half favorites. I'm going to tell you, I'm having it as it is. Give me USC plus 11 and a half. Excuse me, US of C at 11 and a half. I think that this team is very good. I think they're an offensive line away from being undefeated this year, including beating at Georgia. Um, I think Spencer Rattler is playing very good, which is very weird to say. I also think this Tennessee team is extremely overrated. I think Joe Milton is, is a little overrated. He has great tools, but he doesn't do the right things. And they don't really have that like one, two punch and receiver they had last year. And it's starting to show they don't have a, it's third and eight. I need to hit somebody. Who am I going to guy? Like that's my guy. And I feel like that situation is really starting to hurt them. Their defense also doesn't do anything that like, shocks me and on the other end south carolina's defense is extremely good the only thing south carolina is bad at is their o-line and that's the only way i can see tennessee coming in but if you look at south carolina's two losses it's unc who had a very phenomenally well-played uh, defensive line and georgia who had the best defensive line in college football outside of that they looked great i mean yeah they played Furman, who gives a shit but they they beat mississippi state who was, was a solid team they look good i don't think they're going to go into knoxville and clap them but I think they're going to win. If not, they're going to at least cover 11 and a half. The other thing is, too, is we're talking about there's not like a, a, a solidified guy on their wide receiver roster for Tennessee. There is in South Carolina and Xavier Leggett. He leads the country in receptions with 27. He also has 556 yards and three touchdowns. You will get Leggett Moust. Leggett Moust. He's extremely good, extremely reliable. He's been the favorite guy for Spencer Rattler. And I don't see – this Tennessee defense going in there and like crushing them. I mean, you look at Tennessee, they let Florida put 29 on them and then all their other games were like close, you know? So, I mean, UTSA, they whooped up on, but 
I do think the environment of Tennessee is good. They're one of the biggest stadiums in college football. They bring a lot of heat. I just don't think they're as dominant and as run through your face. Marshawn Lynch again and again and again and again and again and again and again over and over and over as they think they are. I think USC goes in there and at least covers the spread of 11 and a half. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that play a factor into this game is this South Carolina defense. You know, they're giving up 317 passing yards per game, which is not ideal for an SEC school, especially with how kind of numbers have been skewed this year, giving the pace of play. So I think all the experts and analysts have this being like Joe Milton's breakout game. They think because of the weak secondary in South Carolina that Joe Milton's finally going to be able to sling the rock. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that Joe Milton's a turnover-prone QB. That's just not the case. He only has one turnover on the year. But at the same time, if you keep airing the ball out, you will make mistakes. You will run into a problem or two. And all South Carolina needs is one to two turnovers to take this game over. You know, I look, if I'm being honest, I haven't been the biggest fan of Spencer Rattler through the years, you know, since his, like, I think it was like QB1 or Elite 11 or whatever. Yeah, QB1, whatever show he was on, kind of showed who he was. You know, I wasn't the biggest fan of not necessarily his character, but just like how he was as like a leader for a football team. But I really think he's grown into that role, especially this year. You know, he, we never saw the growth of him in the early years at South Carolina or uh, Oklahoma. Excuse me. He transferred to South Carolina. When he was at Oklahoma, everyone made him out to be, you know, the next blue chip recruit. He's supposed to be the best quarterback we'd ever seen with arm talent. And he still has all those tools, except now he has the mental to follow it. He's not making the stupid errant throws that he used to make. He's always hitting it, hitting his receivers. He's making the right reads when he has to, when he needs to. He's playing like a solid quarterback, which is what you need from this South Carolina team. Me personally with this Tennessee squad, the only reason I'm not giving them that much credit is because they haven't done anything to really surprise me. You know, the fact, the fact that you are playing Florida and I expect Florida to beat you as an unranked team says a lot about your program. Says a lot about what, because I hate the Gators. I hate them, but bias aside, I may or may not know a thing or two about college football. Maybe. I don't get paid for it, but I may know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two happen here and again. So with that being said, I think this is going to play out the same way, except this time you're not playing Graham Mertz or a dominant rushing attack from Florida. You're going to have to deal with the passing attack through the air between Spencer Rattler and Leggett Mouse. Leggett Mouse. And I, gun to my head, couldn't name you one DB on the University of Tennessee. Couldn't tell you, in my opinion. So whoever you're lining up over him is a mismatch, in my opinion. And your coach, look, to be honest, your defensive scheme doesn't seem like it's going to be throwing any Bill Belichick type coverages out there where they're going to be like, oh, I've never seen that before. You're not going to have Spencer Rattler out there seeing ghosts. His O-line may make him get some PTSD, if not now, maybe next week. But you're going to have to bring some pressure. And if you're bringing pressure, that means you ain't got a lot of guys deep. So pick your poison in this game. Regardless, I think Spencer Rattler is going to lead this team to victory. I like it. We got all the same picks, except I have Utah plus three. You have OSU minus three. We love it. Keep it going. Um, oh, no. Also, you took Duke plus six. And I took Notre Dame minus six. Our last thing today before we go into our draft, Zach Watts, our top five college football clocks on the stove, Heisman rankings. Um, I think our number one's pretty unanimous. If we agree, it's it's Michael Penix. Michael Penix. Yeah, Michael Penix. Him. Yeah. 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 Easy. Like, I I don't know why this is even a topic of conversation. Like, this shouldn't even be remotely close. Michael Penix is quite literally leading the most unstoppable team in college football right now. Yeah, they are. They are. Like, when I – now, look, you can try to discredit it and say, well, oh, his weapons are really good. You couldn't name me any of those receivers last year. They weren't They weren't any finalists for any award. And it's his coach's second year there. He came from Fresno State. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think every Indiana Hoosiers fan in the world wants to blow their brains out. They're like, we really had this kid. Oh, my God. But Penix Jr., um, my computer just autocorrected it to Penis Jr., but we're not going to talk about that. Um, um, I'm number two. I'm going to go probably Caleb Williams, USC. 
Yeah, kind of hard to argue against that with the numbers he's put up this year. Yeah, look, I know the caliber of competition hasn't necessarily been there, but it will be, and things will stay the same. He's going to put up points for his squad. He's only going to continue getting better. And look, even against crappy competition, he still makes unreal plays. Like, it, it, it's not like, oh, there's a receiver open by 40 yards. He underthrew him by 10, and the guy went open. No, he's hitting every guy on in stride on the dot. The dude doesn't miss. So that that's kind of how I see it right now. Um, I I, I want I want to say I want to say my number three, but I want to look just to make sure I'm not forgetting any guys. Yeah, yeah. Let me hmm. let me let me. Yeah, see. I'm gonna I'm gonna rock with it. I'm gonna go Jordan Travis number three. You're gonna say Travis? Yeah, because I mean, who else? Bo Nix. I wouldn't put Bo Nix over him. They have Cam Ward. I wouldn't put Cam Ward over him. I wouldn't put Quinn Ewers over him. It's yeah. Just... Yeah, I can see that. Right now, based off the project, based off ESPN's projections, Bo Nix technically is the third right now, just based off points earned thus far through the season. But, you know, I'm still going to have Travis in my three-spot bias. I think Travis beating LSU at a neutral site and at Clemson is better than what Bo Nix has done. I agree. And I think another thing that's kind of hindering Travis right now is he's playing injured. They may not list him on the injury report, but if you've watched Florida State football games, his legs are not as much of the weapon Angle's right now. Yeah, one of his, his, ankle, his ankle and shoulder are shot. Yeah. This is this is like whoever made FSU schedule this year was a godsend because the fact that they got their tough games out of the way and gave them a bye week, glorious. Oh, oh, they did it on purpose. Yeah, but like exactly. So whoever made that glorious job, like job. perfect, could not be any better. The team couldn't ask for a bye week more than right now, and they got it. So my number three, I'm going to agree with you, is Jordan Travis. Um, I think he's only going to continue to play better, and when his legs get more involved, and Trey Benson hits, starts gets it going more than he already has. I think this team is going to be unstoppable offensively. Their defense still has to step up in just a little bit for how I'd like it if they want to be a college football contender. But, you know, they're Jordan Tavis and this team is right there. Who is you your – You go first with your four because I want to just see what you say. Because, I yeah, you go first. All right. My number four, Um, I will admit this is a little recency bias, but just based off what I've seen so far, I'm going to take the pack two quarterback of Mr. Ward. I'm going to take Cam Ward. I could do that. Uh, yeah, I could do that for sure. Yeah, so, so far this year, just under 1,400 yards, 13 passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, and 109 rushing yards. Dude, Dude is – That Washington-Washington State rivalry game is going to be nuts. 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 They, they may score 8,000 points. Yeah, that's going to be nuts. My number five, and it's not really it's, – it's not bad, and it's not like a trend. I'm going to go Sam Hartman. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna put Sam Hartman. I just think he has the most touchdowns scored. He hasn't thrown a pick. I mean, dude, he's he's good and he's throwing dots. I agree. I would I, put I, him with Quinn Ears at five. Um, my five is different. Who's your five? My five is Keon Coleman. He's him him and Xavier Leggett can bounce between number five, but we are talking about two receivers that quite literally are just dominating the college football world right now. Exactly. This is where we need to go into a conversation where it's like the Heisman is not the best player in college football. The Heisman is which quarterback is the most like fun to watch. And it sucks to say that, but that's what it is. You can't name a single guy on any list that isn't a quarterback. And two years ago, the best player in college football was Will Anderson and he didn't win it, you know? And it's, it's, I'm not saying that Keon's not the fifth best in the college I think, football. Okay. I think it's impossible to win it as a defensive player anymore. I just think it's not going to happen. But I, think it's, I think it's impossible, nearly impossible to win it as any position other than quarterback. I think it's a, it's a, it's a popularity contest between quarterbacks now. It's not – the Heisman does not represent the best player in college football. Like the most impactful player on a team is not represented by the Heisman anymore. It is the most it's, – it's, 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 a, it's a popularity contest amongst quarterbacks. Let me, let me see something real quick. So, as of now, six, how many more games do we have? 
Uh, we're in week five. There's 14 weeks. There's 12 games. 12 games total? Yeah. And if it's and used... conference championship in the postseason. Yeah. So Keon Coleman right now. Only conference championships involved. Postseason is it? Yeah. So right now, Keon Coleman has six tutties. If he finishes with like around 20, like that, like that's unheard of from a receiver. Yeah. And the way the way Florida State's using him, they're literally telling teams like last game against Clemson. I don't know why they decided to, but they they had 11 throws of 20 yards or more. They were just like, fuck it. Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman one on one. That's a mismatch. Like you're, you're getting head tapped. And sooner or later, Keon Coleman's going to catch it. And we've seen that week in, week out. Every week, it seems like he's putting up ridiculous plays it just seems like it seems like it's undeniable i think another thing that plays a huge part into the heisman role which players like sam hartman don't benefit from sam hartman doesn't make any like heisman plays you know what you know what i mean by that like every every heisman winner has their heisman moment they have a play during the season where you're like that guy just won the heisman like that guy is a heisman player keon coleman seems to have that every single week whether it's hurtling guys at Southern Miss, whether it's a three-touchdown game against LSU, whether it's absolutely routing people up and mossing people in the end zone against Clemson. Dude is constantly just dominating for Florida State. Now, obviously, having two Florida State players in the same Heisman race obviously is going to make my list a little little, little skewed. Not going to be nice to look at on paper. But I think by the end of the year, this dude has to be in the contention. Has to be. But for right now, for right now, who we rocking with? Yeah, if Texas goes undefeated, you got to say Quinn. Sure, let's just put Quinn Ayers in. Fair enough. No, honestly, we can just save the uh, the draft for tomorrow's pod with Phil. Fair enough. Bingo. There it is, episode one hundred three. You got our do pick. We know, do we uh, know what the draft? Do we know what the draft's going to be on tomorrow? I was thinking uh, we'll end the pod and then we'll talk about. How about how about we let Phil decide? We can do that. Yeah, let, let's text Phil. It's, yeah, yeah, I'll talk to Phil. But Phil, yeah. you need you need to come up with something right now. College <laughs> football week five. You're up.